Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Down there, this is just set up for Nat and Yui palm down to Tim Kelly on the drive-by. Clock at 12 minutes. Oh, look at that. That is as good a tap work as you'll see. The little back flick at Kennedy was exquisite. And the big man gets his third. His 14th in three weeks. Margin back to two points. A rocking masterclass from Nat and Yui. Oh, it was rocking brilliant, Sammy. The tap. Rucking brilliant. <laughs> 2020, of course. I think that's almost my favourite Nick Natanui moment. And, of course, the big Ruckman retired after 213 games earlier this week. What's your favourite Nick Nat moment? Let us know on the Temper at Bedshed text line on 0487 736 736. And uh, Temper, the uh, Temper mattresses from Bedshed, of course, they're the expert in temper mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases. You can check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au. And they bring you this segment, which is us talking to Josh Kennedy, West Coast legend and AFL life member. Josh, welcome. Good morning, mate. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, mate. You remember that moment against the Cats in 2020? <laughs> I do remember that moment. Yeah, I've got a lot of favourite nickname moments, and yeah, obviously that's one of them because I was involved. But um, but he's had a, a lot more than that, and um, yeah, he would go down as one of the um, the great ruckmen of um, of our club, West Coast Eagles. So tell us a bit about him. Obviously, you were already there when he arrived. What you were you? What were your first impressions when he was picked up, picked to um, in the 2008 national draft? Yeah, yeah. So, well, Nick um, uh, obviously came down that year as the, um, I think it's the AFL Academy. They get distributed out to, I suppose, clubs. And he, he came down for a bit of a week, um, kind of training through, and obviously wasn't doing much. Uh, some pretty raw talent there. Um, big, tall, Fijian kid, and he was uh, had no muscle or size in him, but he could jump, and he was pretty quick. So um, we knew there was some ability, and yeah, for us to obviously get him at that um, that pick two, um, you know, was fantastic for the footy club. And uh, he came in, and uh, like I said, was was really raw, but you know, um, being able to learn under Dean Cox, who you know is one of the greatest ruckman of, you know, the last couple of decades, um, you know, he really came into his own and had his own way of, I suppose, playing football. Um, but just the impact he would have in games, you know, he, he didn't have to touch the ball much. He didn't have to be on the ground. I think the back end of his career, he was only playing 60 minutes of footy, which is not that much. But the impact he would have, um, you know, was unbelievable. And, um, yeah, it was very lucky enough to play alongside Nick Nanui. Your midfielders would have thought, it was Christmas, wouldn't they? Ruck, uh, roving to Dean Cox and Nick Nat Nui. They would have been walking around, eating caviar, drinking champagne. Um, so oh, we, yeah. we, we don't need to train too much. This is just going to be laid out for us on a red carpet. Um, yeah. I remember some of the clearance work that West Coast were doing back in those days. It was like a drive-through through the through the clearance, yeah. particularly when Nick was rucking. It was, was quite phenomenal, wasn't it? Yeah, no, we've always been pretty lucky, I think, with our Ruckman and, you know, having Dean Cox come through and, and what he was able to do and, you know, having midfielders like Judd, Cousins and Kerr and, 
and I suppose that next generation with, with Nick being involved with Coxie and, and having kind of boots and um, you know these guys come through it was it was amazing to watch and you know they were very lucky and they'll always tell you that but um but uh, yeah, the old banter about the old dumb ruckman. Don't let him touch the footy. But I tell you what, he 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 fed those boys a lot and, and had a lot to, a lot of impact in those those guys' careers. It wasn't just the taps to the midfielders either, was it? He could um, he could take it himself. He could flatten the opposition midfielder that had the the misfortune to take it out of the stoppage. His follow up work was quite phenomenal. Yeah, well, I think that was uh, probably his biggest asset. You know, as much as he, he could jump and he could tap it anywhere and he was able to get that ball clear, but, you know, if it didn't quite work, that footy forward. The amount of times, you know, we, we kind of saw him, you know, from one rack, uh, rack tap down, uh, pushing that ball forward. There's people everywhere. He's bowling people over. He ends up with the footy in his hands. And, um, you know, when he's running full pelt, uh, coming towards inside 50 from the centre, there's no point leading because he, he'll never be able to hitch up. He's always going over your head. So he was, um, yeah, it was, it was always great to watch. I'm tipping there wasn't much point standing in his way if you're an opposition defender either. I would have been, uh, I reckon I would have been finding something, nah. something else to do, I reckon, <laughs> Josh, at, uh, at yeah, those particular yeah, times. Yeah. What, what's your favourite? Yeah, well, what, what's your favourite Nick moment, apart from the the one uh, where he fed you? I reckon it was that North game where he took that mark, and um, you know, by all accounts, he should have shepherded and let me take it. But I'm so glad <laughs> he um, he did he did, he did take that mark, and for him to go back and you know um, uh, him in his kicking and his kicking ability, um, you know, he, he worked on it so hard, but he always seemed in those big moments to just hit that ball sweet and. Um, yeah, to, that that win that day was was something remarkable for I suppose a big ruckman uh, to do and uh, to put it straight through, especially with all that pressure. And he was always the man who who was able to stand up with that pressure and, and the resilience he's kind of showed over his you know his life his career um, to become the player and person he is. You know, testament to himself. And um, but yeah, that that North one I think was just a little bit better than that GWS um, kind of snap. As, as much as it was pretty spectacular, taking out the ruck and kicking it just before. The siren that 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 pressure after the siren that he would have been through um i think that was my favorite moment i remember the one at gws i was covering a waffle game down at Fremantle Oval. i was sitting in the old george grillisich press box down there and uh, and listening to it on the radio and they were, they were starting to talk about the gws victory with eight seconds left and the <laughs> next thing you know it was a west coast victory because nick nat had snapped a goal hey um <laughs> Obviously, Nick retires, Shannon Hearn retires, Luke Shuey retires. It leaves a, a massive hole. Have you seen anything like this in your time at West Coast? Um, uh, not, not, uh, not really. We, we had, you know, kind of glassy kind of, um, you know, retire mid-year and then obviously guys like Dean Cox and Bo Waters, um, Sam Butler, these, these kind of guys go who have been, you know, a massive, massive part of the, the, the club. And um, I suppose, yeah, in this kind of sense and uh, the contribution that these guys have given and especially over the last few years, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a big week, yeah. Uh, every week it seems to be popping up, so hopefully there's none this week. We'll, we'll probably find out either tomorrow, but... Um, yeah, the guys' legacies that they'll leave for this club, um, you know, obviously two captains of this footy club who have led it, um, you know, an amazing, have done an amazing job and, and built, um, you know, a fantastic culture over the last decade and, and Nick's ability um, to one lead in his own way, but um, the impact he's had um, for the club and, and not only 
on field, but the you know the impact and legacy he'll leave off field on what he's doing with his Natanui Academy and um, you know the things he does with Telethon and, and getting around to PMH Hospital and um, the things those little things that people probably don't really see. Um, yeah, that, that's that's the that's the biggest thing and why we love Nick. He's quite a unique person, isn't he? And you mentioned the off field stuff, and you, you'd think he's probably going to be around, wouldn't you? Given the the academy and and also you would imagine if you're West Coast, you'd want him around to to school your young ruckman a little bit yeah definitely i'm interested to see what he does in terms of a um and a role i think he said in his press conference he wants his weekends back so i don't know whether he'll have a game day role but um you know nick the way he is he'll, he'll probably have a, a kind of tactical role i suppose with working still with bailey and, and any new up-and-coming ruckman that are they're kind of pushing through the ranks over the next few years he's his involvement in the club will, will be around for, for a long time i'd assume and um he'll be working obviously with his natanui academy um, but yeah, he, he, he will still able, still be able to have that impact with, I suppose, players that are playing now and wants to come into the club over the next few years. The Derby, what went wrong? Oh, yeah, it was uh, it was hard to watch, obviously, and I think it's Rio's biggest win, you know, um, overall in any Derby. So uh, that, the contest and pressure—that's something that we've kind of seen over the last few weeks that you know uh, we've loved and and been able to, I suppose, hold our heads high as a fan as West Coast. But um, you know, the pressure and, and the contest just wasn't there, and that's what the game's built around these days. It, don't know whether there's many um, tactical moves that you can make um, when the contest and, and that method around the contest is not going great. So um, that's something that um, obviously Fremantle did towel up West Coast with. And, and they've got a quality midfield. Um, I think they won the centre clearances 15 to 6 and, you know, contested ball was, you know, 122 to 113. So well up. Um, plus they owned the footy. You know, they had about 118 marks, which is which is crazy. So um, they owned the footy. They won the contest. And, you know, as we saw, 17 unanswered goals. Um, yeah, West Coast couldn't stop it. So you mentioned contest method. And around the stoppage, that was particularly apparent, wasn't it? It was like the West Coast midfield and the players around the midfield just lost their way completely. And, and Freo at yeah. times was strolling out of there you know like Luke Jackson was rucking it getting it off the ground walking out of there almost reminding West Coast people what they were going to miss with Nick Natanui gone because uh, that was the sort of stuff he was doing how does that happen and and what what sort of strategies get put in place to deal with that when it starts going that way uh, look, well, I suppose you know we've we've had we've had TK in there who stood up all year, but you know the midfield has kind of been switched around a fair bit this year with a lot of injuries and players. And Dugo's been one to come in and done quite well, but you've got a you've got a couple of young kids in there. And Elijah Hewitt, you know when he was in starts, fantastic to see, and he's been a shining light this year. But um, when you have that inconsistency, I think, and also inconsistency at training with not having enough numbers, all, all of a sudden that training that contest can be hard, and that's no excuse for it because they have had the numbers the last few weeks can happen and and when you have a dominant um, they get cleaner in that first kind of pick up of the footy um, sometimes it's, you can get wrong footed and you know uh, being uh, you know 30 centimetres out of place or just not being on your man just that enough and a quick handball goes out it's able to kind of release so um, the method and the contest um, stuff one in, in actually not winning it for starters you know can can be pretty de- detrimental you know to without um, getting it forward Bailey Williams is starting to look tired, Josh. He's been quiet the last two weeks. Um, he's carried the ruck most of the – well, he's carried the ruck pretty much all of the season. Um, is it starting to tell on him, do you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It took about a young kid coming in and uh, hasn't played much footy prior. He's played a few games here and there and, you know, back in the waffle, had since an injury. But this year, 
you know, playing every single game, um, getting up and, and playing in the ruck, you know. And so not only around the ground, but um, the amount of... Most players towards the back end of this year would be feeling sore. Um, but, you know, for him who's done that number one ruck role all year, I'd say um, he would be he'd be fairly sore. And, you know, um, a lot of guys are probably carrying something, you know, some injuries somewhere, whether it's corkies or whether it's little things um, along the way. So um, we're probably just seeing that with him, you know, being such a younger player and, and not um, having a full year um, so far. But this year will do him, um, you know, wonders for the, the coming years coming. And um, he'll be able to have a good break in the off-season, get back in. Hopefully there's no um, kind of mishaps during his pre-season. And he keeps getting that time in his legs, keep having those consistent full years. He'll be able to, you know, kind of run out that um, run out full year. So put your list manager's hat on here. The West Australian today suggested that West Coast would be in the running to take Brody Grundy off Melbourne's hand. I'm not sure they need... Uh, a ruckman of Brody's age coming in, particularly not with Tim English becoming a pre-agent in 12 months' time. But do do they need a specialist ruckman? Bailey sort of still appeals more as a forward ruck or a ruck forward than an actual pure ruckman. Do, do, does West Coast need yeah. a, another mature-bodied ruckman to help him out next year, or do they let Harry Barnett come on stream gradually, do you think? Yeah, that's what Harry's, you know, kind of been drafted for. And, um, you know, he'll kind of work his way in and, and whether he, he slipped into that second ruck role. Um, we've, we've seen Bailey's been able to handle it most of the years. So, um, yeah, you know, getting Brody Grundy, um, waiting for Tim English, all those things are a little bit, you know, uncertain. You never know what happens next year with Tim English and the way he goes. He could, you know, sign another five-year contract. Um so you wouldn't really want to be waiting and holding your, your, your hat on, on that. But um, I don't know, Brody Grundy, I don't know if, if Collingwood are still paying his wage, you know, maybe he might be able to get him for um, a pretty cheap price over the course of this next year. But I think they've got a vision, they've got a plan. They're building a list. Um, they've got, you know, a good crop of young players now and, and Bailey's involved with that. And obviously Harry's in their plans as well. So um, they'll be looking to kind of build on that over the next um, coming years and, um, I suppose sticking your neck out trying to find you know that that older senior player in a time when you know things aren't going to be um, I suppose overly consistent in the way they're playing because they're still still going to be learning and be a young list you know it's it's probably best just keeping it um, you know with those guys developing and, and getting the best out of them. So devil's advocate and you mentioned it's a young list why not have a young coach to coach a young list? This is Adam Simpson's fifth defeat by 100 points plus. How many of these can he absorb? Are you confident he's going to be there next year? And is there an argument that now is the time to change the coach? Yeah, well, obviously there's, there's, there is definitely, I suppose, an argument. And, you know, um, there's only two more games to go. So hopefully there's not a um, couple more of, um, I suppose, these beltings. But, um, you know, uh, consistency in what he's said in terms of his vision and his plan for these younger players and um, and what they've been doing, you know, backing from the board. And I know you can obviously never never back the board. Um, but, um, but, you know, it'd be interesting to see how these changes go. Uh, you know, whether Simo is the right man for the job, I'm, I'm sure that West Coast and, and, the, and the board will make the right decisions coming in the back end of the year. But um, there's been a big change over players. Um, you know, there's a young crop coming through. Simo's starting to deal with that young crop. Um, you know, a complete change, you know, does that kind of waver. Sometimes it's a positive, sometimes it's a negative. So, um, I'm, I'm kind of sitting on the fence at the moment. I can't really give you an answer because there's too much up in the air and, um, 
you know, sometimes changes are good, but sometimes they aren't. So, um, but I'm sure that the club and the way they've operated over the last 30 years, uh, they'll make the right decision moving forward. I guess what they have to do here is they have to divorce themselves from the fact that he's a premiership coach. We know that. That's a fact. And I think they also mm. have to divorce themselves from trying to lay blame for what's happened over the past two years. And they need to ask themselves the simple question, yep. is Adam the best person to guide a yep. new young group of players through? And based on what you know about him, do you feel he's capable of doing that? Yeah, I think he is. I think he is. I think his um, his strategic way in, in in terms of you know one once the kids are developed and into that stage, um, he does adjust and he does adapt to his environment. Um, this year has probably been you know a massive kind of he's in that uh, pressure cooker state. You know from the media, from everything external. So um, yeah, it, it's it's probably interesting to see what the club do whether they. Um, kind of go through, uh, not, not a review, but they just kind of discussions with players, with, you know, um, other players that have played previously and, and just to kind of get that gauge. But, um, you know, Simo's plan over the last few years has kind of always been consistent and that's what's always, uh, I suppose, presented to the board in, in development and transition of the list. So um, as much as the wins aren't coming, you know, it. it it is slowly starting to happen um, and the consistency over the next few years and one, getting guys on the park to be able to train, um, getting time into these young kids, um, probably enhancing the development um, kind of resources at the club and, um, you know, it could go either way, you know what I mean? So, um, but I think he's still capable. It just depends on, yeah, what, what what the board are thinking towards the back end of the year. You mentioned Elijah Hewitt. He was the Rising Star nomination. I, I, I suspect what happens at the back end of the season with the Rising Star is in the early part of the season, you only have to play one really good game and you get nominated. But at the back half of the season, they look at a body of work. And I think Elijah Hewitt has earned his nomination through a body of work. Tell us about him and the, the improvement you've seen over him in the, um, um, over the course of the season. Yeah, it's, um, oh, it's, it's been exciting to watch. You know, he, he's come in and, um, you know, he's got full confidence in his yeah, you see that in a lot of young kids when they play. Um, you know, he's, he's such a power athlete. He's, he's very quick and he's he's pretty skillful and knows how to find the footy. So um, we're already seeing glimpses of, you know, exceptional moments of, you know, tap down ruck, um, pick up, spinning out of trouble, kicking goals, um, also winning clearances. So uh, he's someone who's going to be, yeah, very exciting to watch over the over the course of the next few years, and and obviously seeing Luke Shuey's press conference and um, how much uh, Ollie probably cares that his dad's not playing anymore. He's he's, he's stripped the number thirteen and got number eight on his back, so I think Ollie's pretty excited as well to watch Elijah Hewitt over the next few years. Yep, coming years, uh, mate. If there's a stoppage twenty metres out from goal with a game on the line and Nick Natanui was hitting it, you wouldn't be getting it. Elijah Hewitt would be getting it. Trust me, he'd be the he'd be the bloke going through the space. <laughs> Josh, I think he would. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for your insights so far this year. Hopefully, we see a stronger performance uh, from West Coast against the Western Bulldogs this weekend. Looking forward to it. Cheers, mate. Josh Kennedy, of course, he's an AFL legend, a West Coast legend, uh, joins us on the show every week to talk through matters West Coast. He's brought to you by Bedshed, the experts in temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases. Check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au. We'll take a break. Be back with more after the break.